0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Property Buyers and Sellers podcast on the 19th of March 2021. This week, we've got lots of good stuff in store for you. How to sell a tenanted property. Obviously, there are various ways of doing that, but we're going to get into the specifics of what you can do if you have a property that's tenanted and you need to sell now, given the extended notice periods under the pandemic. We also have a discussion with a fantastic plumber and landlord who... Looks after all of our things. One of the premier plumbers here in London does gas and general plumbing as well. All of our gas safety certificates, boiler services and the like. Welcome, Imran. Good morning, Ken. How are you? Very well, thank you. And it's great to have Premier Plumbing on the show. Um, Imran and ourselves have become good friends as well as work colleagues. We always go to Imran first because we trust and value his expertise when it comes to these things. And we're going to come on to some do's and don'ts for landlords and property sellers in terms of plumbing and boilers and things like that, and things that Imran and I trip over all the time in our daily management struggles and challenges. Um, But first of all, we're going to go through some of the national property headlines for you for the week. First of all, a report from Rightmove. Rightmove is saying that the strong, this is the strongest spring seller's market in the past decade. The national asking price by market sector excluding inner London is that's 95% of the UK market. And it's saying that the demand over supply in the past 10 years has pushed up the average price of the property coming to the market by 0.8% plus 2,484. And the number of potential buyers inquiring about each property is at a record and is 34% higher than a year ago, which was in itself a record before the first lockdown. Now, with sales already agreed for almost two out of three properties and agents' books, buyers eagerly await the fresh choice coming to the market. And we would echo that, you know. um, We're finding that since the announcement of the extension of the stamp duty holiday to June or September, depending on where you are in the UK, um, and let me qualify that, the extension of the £500,000 stamp duty holiday is until the end of June, but in fact, the doubling of the relief rate from 125 to 250 goes up to September. Um, now that 250,000 mark, if you're in the rest of the UK, is quite significant. If you're in London, it's not quite so because the average house price is so much higher that we're talking about the difference between a 15,000 saving at 500,000 and a 2,000 saving at 250,000. Um, so still means that across the UK, the demand is soaring across all of those price bands, particularly here where we are, we're finding it the £500,000 band as well. What we've also found this week is that the lettings market has started to recover. For a while now, landlords have had to take reductions in the asking prices of their properties in order to tempt tenants back in. And what we're finding now is that there's some market recovery. There's clearly... A sign that, you know, it feels like there's a chink of light at the end of that tunnel. It's getting ever brighter. And so, you know, tenants are coming back into the market. Professionals are starting to get job offers back or get back to work in the city. You know, it is a myth. We we have seen a massive uh, switch to Zoom and home working, but there's still... You know, the myth that everybody will continue to homework and that's just not the case here in London. One of the greatest cities in the world. Employment will always be here in one form or another. And tenants will always need to be here, too. Although the changing demographic of people moving out of the city into what I call holiday type destinations is a fascinating one. We've seen people go from London to all sorts of destinations, such as the Lake District, uh, Eastbourne, Bournemouth, the South Coast, the East Coast, Suffolk. And the house prices in those areas reflect those changes if you look at how they've gone up in time in the last year, particularly. So that's an interesting trend. And there are also lots of people, there's an exodus of people actually thinking of even leaving the country and telecommuting from other countries too. So that's interesting to see. But what will be more interesting to see, and we'll keep you in touch with this, is how that impact is as the pandemic eases and the vaccines start to be successful, um, You know, how much of those how many of those people will come back into London uh, for long-term work and how many will stay as telecommuters. Um, so that's the headlines from Rightmove. I've got another big headline for you today that I thought was really interesting. And this is that there's it's a headline from The Guardian, actually. And um, if you don't know, every week we look at all the headlines across all the newspapers, have no particular bias to any particular paper. But we always look for the interesting articles and what you might need to know as a buyer or seller. And this is really interesting. Buyers have been given the chance to lock their mortgage repayments at the same level for 40 years. Yes, you did hear that right. Four, zero, 40 years with the launch of the longest fixed rate deal on the market. The lender Habito plans to launch a range of mortgages for borrowers with a 10% deposit that offers fixed rate terms for up to four decades. The rates are based on the size of the deposit and how long the borrower wants to repay their mortgage. Someone taking a 40-year option, I should add at this point, this is not mortgage advice, by the way, just educational, so you need to speak to your broker if you do want to pursue this further. Someone taking a 40-year option with a 40% deposit will fix at 4.2%, while a borrower with 10% deposit will pay 5.35%. Well, against current rates, that's uh, quite high, but then again, you are locking in security there. You're knowing exactly what your payments will be, and with inflation, that will erode the level of those payments over time. Whether it's wise to do that or not, well, that's uh, always going to be up for for debate. But what it does give you certainly is a level of security over a term unheard of in the past. We've never seen a 40-year fixed rate before. Um, But longer-term mortgages have become more and more common as first-time buyers struggle with affordability. And obviously, if you stretch the term, then the cost comes down, and this could be very helpful for people. So that's really interesting. Um, Daniel Hegarty, the chief executive of Habito, said the future has never been less predictable And we need our homes to provide us with safety and financial security. The vast majority of us on a mortgage that's fixed for two to five years are effectively trapped in a system that doesn't fit our financial future or home buying habits. The other interesting thing about this is that this long term fixed rate has no early repayment charge. Now, most of the time, if you fix your rate, then the early repayment charge will mean that you can't get away from that mortgage ever. But in this case, there is none. Um, So that's a really interesting um, new Mortgage there for you. Uh, Buy to let investments could be making a comeback. This is from the Daily Express. The stamp duty holiday extension and new buy to let mortgage products could see buy to let investments making a comeback, according to the Express. Um, And I think this comes with uh, the new confidence that people are finding in the marketplace as prices rise. So confidence returns. And we're finding this with lenders too. There are more and more deals out there now. This week, for the first time, we saw a 95% mortgage come out. And this is nothing to do with the government scheme, which starts in April where the government will be underwriting mortgages up to 95%. And that's a really interesting thing that we're looking forward to see how that works. But in fact, there is a mortgage out there right now, uh, 95% fixed rate uh, mortgage available. Obviously, the criterion for such a loan will be quite strict because it's the largest percentage that you can borrow in the UK right now. And it's only the one lender. So you can expect them to be quite tight on their criterion. But it is an interesting trend. And it goes to show the unlocking of the mortgage market. You know, as the pandemic took hold, so lenders withdrew from the market and the products they offered become less and less competitive. And now we're finding the reverse, that lenders are starting to gain confidence in the economy bouncing back. They're starting to gain confidence. So they're setting the rates lower. They want a larger slice of what they see as a rising market. So really interesting to see that. Um, John Lewis, before, <laughs> this is really interesting to me. Um, the giant John Lewis is turning its attention to the affordable housing markets. It expects to generate 40 percent of its future profits from non-retail activities in a financial update this month. Well, that's really interesting, isn't it? A retailer is now looking at buy-to-let investment as a major part of their profits for the future. And I think that underlines the importance of the buy-to-let sector in the UK and the recognition of that um, overall. So interesting to see that. Now, let's move on. First of all, let's talk about how to sell a tenanted property. Now, the problem with selling a tenanted property, as many of you will know right now, as I speak, you still need to give six months notice under Section 21 if you want your tenant to vacate the property. Now, at the end of that six months, if your tenant doesn't leave, you then have to follow a legal procedure, which could take several months, and especially given the delays with the pandemic, It could even take longer still, and you could end up with a year plus before getting possession after a very lengthy, expensive and stressful court battle. Um, The alternative is to have dialogue with your tenants. And, you know, most tenants are reasonable and most will play the game anyway. If you tell them you wish to sell, it may well be that they'll vacate on their own terms, find something else. The difficulty for most landlords is that most landlords are quite kind. Let me quantify that. I know a lot of tenants out there are thinking, "What do you mean, my landlord's awful?" What I mean by this is, if a landlord's getting regular rent, in my experience, they won't increase the rent level as the market increases, and the market nearly always, invariably, goes up. So, for instance, if you've been renting a property for two or three years, it's quite likely in our area that you're between two and four hundred pounds per calendar month under the market average. <clears throat> and the difficulty this gives you is that. If your landlord says, I want the property back because he's been kind, he's dug himself a hole because you can't find another property out there for a similar figure to what you're paying already. Why did he keep the figure low? You might ask yourself. He kept the figure low because you've been good to him and most landlords will reciprocate and be good to you and recognize the fact that you're a good tenant. You're paying. He'll leave you alone. You leave him alone. And that's great. But landlords do dig themselves a hole in this way. And the reason they dig themselves a hole is that as that gap becomes wider, So the tenant is less likely to leave. And this is a real difficulty. So how do you then lose your tenant at that point? If your tenant says, well, I'm not going to go, then you do have the option. Obviously, if you're not in a current contract to increase the rent, um, that's still available to you via a section notice. Um, Make sure you do it correctly and you can increase the rent. It has to be to a fair market level and that can end up with an independent uh, arbitrator looking at that. If your tenant thinks it's unfair, but if you look at the general market, uh, make sure it is fair, then you can increase it. And what this could do is then encourage the tenant to leave on the basis that, in my experience, if you increase the rent to the current market level, tenants will go and look for something else. Uh, What we normally advise as a landlord, a sensible option, is to find the current market level find where you are now and try and split the difference so the tenants still have a benefit if staying in your property, if you wish to keep them. Because there will always be the shiny new property across the road with new carpets at the same rent if you're uh, looking to try and keep them, it's well worth giving them a discount if you wish to keep them. Conversely, of course, if you don't, then a rent increase is one way of encouraging them out the door. Another way, and one that we use quite regularly at the moment, the difficulty being this, if you want to sell a tenanted property Buy to let investors will at the moment in our area pay you less than first time buyers and first time buyers want to guarantee a vacant possession and worry about tenanted property. So ideally, if you're looking to sell, to present it in its best possible light, it's better without tenants in any way. And you take away the worry from first time buyers and therefore increase the appeal by getting rid of those tenants, not in a nasty way. Serve them with a correct professional notice, of course. But first of all, have a chat with them. Explain to them what your circumstances are, why you're selling, that you are a human just like them. um, And it's not that you wish to uh, have any malice in the situation. It's just that your circumstances are such that you need to sell for whatever the reason is. Now, it may well be that your tenants can't find anywhere to go. And we sometimes find that giving them an incentive financially can make a fair compromise for all concerned. Um, and recently we have an example of that where we had a landlord who was very keen to take advantage of the current uptick in the market and the tenants had nowhere to go and the landlord actually ended up offering them an incentive payment of £1,500 plus, of course, their deposit back on departure. How did this work, I hear you say, because at what point do you give them the monies that you've agreed? Because what if you give them the money and they don't move? Well, the answer to that is, in our experience, the best way to do it is to find out where they're going and actually pay the money over to their managing agent that they're moving of the property that they're moving to and ask that agent to hold it to order until the tenants have moved in. That way you can be sure that they're moving. Um, And that has worked for us. And what we found is that this is quite a good compromise because tenants feel like they're getting something out of it and landlords get their property back vacant. And that means a higher price for the property that they're selling. So I hope that's helpful. Um, Obviously you could choose to sell with your tenants in, but then you've got to look at yield. And therefore you need to increase the rent to whatever the current level is in order to get the best price for your property because landlords will look cold and hard at what the return is on their cash. And quite often that yield is not very good because as I've already said, Chances are, if you're a good landlord, you may well have chosen to keep that rent at a lower level than you really should have done. And so my advice to you out there, landlords, if you do have your rent at an unusually low level, don't increase it to market levels. No, but do think about increasing it regularly so that you don't get so far away from reality that you cause yourself a problem if you ever do need to sell or or actually increase the rent. Sometimes we can find the reality versus what people are paying is so far apart over the years Um, because rents always surprise you. Uh, So speak to your letting agent. um, Speak to people that you know and trust. Look at the market. Look at Rightmove. Put your postcode in for rental properties. See what comes up, and you'll get a very good idea of what's out there and what your rent should be right now. So I hope that's helpful to you. Um, Next on the list, we have Imran from Premier Plumbing. Welcome, Imran. It's always nice to talk to you. We talk probably once a day, don't we, on on
1: Yeah, we do. We talk regularly. Um, It's just great. It's nice having that relationship.
0: It's brilliant. And having a gas safe registered engineer as one of our team is absolutely brilliant for us. And what's really nice is we entirely trust him and vice versa. So we have this relationship where we can talk openly about issues and we often find that we're on the same page about what should be done. Um, One of the common things that we find is that there are there's water spilling out of the bath onto the flooring this seems to be one of the most common issues doesn't it when you go and see a property and it's it's wet on the floor and it's like how we deal with that and it's often the shower screens isn't it we often say that you know these lovely glazed screens over baths are very common and quite nice and often pretty um but they're actually not as practical as the old fashioned curtains are they Imran?
1: That's right um there's there's many variants of that particular screen Some are hinged and some are fixed. Tenants generally, when they move in, don't actually pay attention and they'll normally try and close it if it's a fixed one and then the seals go and they start using it and water starts trickling through. They don't really notice it and until there's a leak that's gone downstairs.
0: Often. Yeah. And invariably, the fixed screens do seem to eventually the rubber seals go at the bottom. And even if they don't, sometimes they're not very good at actually containing the water, depending on where they are versus where the shower head is used. Whereas yes. if you get a good old fashioned curtain, I know they're ugly folks. Um, but Imran and I, you know, we always look at this and think, well, actually, the great thing about shower curtain, you know what it is? It's a simple thing. They're not very expensive. They're pennies. So you can literally get a pole, pull that shower curtain across, have a brand new, beautiful Uh, screen every time, you know, when your tenant goes, don't even bother trying to clean the screen or whatever. It doesn't matter. Throw it away, get a nice new one for your new tenant. It won't look quite as beautiful, but often we find they're far more practical. And often we've even found where there are glazed screens, which look beautiful. We're putting in additional curtains inside the screens to try and stop the problem Uh, so something worth considering the other thing that we found is that some of these self-contained cubicles are a nice option as well aren't they Imran because often it's the showers and the seals around what's your thought on the self-contained cubicles now that you can buy as opposed to tiling and everything else Um, I think they're absolutely
1: brilliant as long as they've been installed correctly and that the seals are intact um,
0: they're they're, they're wonderful absolutely brilliant Um, yeah. As you know, we use them in that. our house. <laughs> that's right. Yes. Um, that. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's from experience at work where we know that if there's something goes wrong, the beauty of these uh, cubicles is they tend to have a lip. So even if the water starts to build up, it will just go straight down the drain as opposed to coming over and causing leaks. So well worth considering those because they are more expensive to buy and install properly. But you have to weigh that against the fact that you don't have to tile and you don't have the problem with mastic seals because most of them now are mastic free and so on. So well worth considering investing a little bit more initially to have less aggravation later, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. it's There's a lot more longevity in that.
0: Yeah. Now, let's talk about gas, because there is the requirement, as landlords out there will know, for a, what we call a CP12 professionally or what you will know out there as a gas safety certificate. Um, specifically, as a landlord, you'll need a landlord's gas safety certificate. What are the common problems you experience around those, Imran?
1: Um, The most common problems are, um, funnily enough, it's an electrical one, earth bonding. Um, Mm -hmm. There has to be an earth bonding, which is a cable that connects onto the gas pipe just by the meter and then gets tied into the electrical system. So that if there was ever an electrical wire that touched the gas pipe, it's earthed. So that's one of the most common things I come across when I'm doing gas safety. Mm. It's not a failure on the certificate itself, but it's just um, it's one of those things that it's a tick box. that is it yeah. there? Yes or no? It's, it's very black and white. And a yeah. lot of the stuff on there is black and white. Um, and um, it's just making sure that the gas safety itself is just to make sure that the gas installation in the property and the appliances that it's servicing are not emitting carbon monoxide and not putting anyone's life at risk. That's what it actually entails. A lot of people get confused thinking that that's a service as well. It's not. I was going to come on to that, and I wanted
0: to ask you that question because I know a lot of our listeners will be wondering, when they have the annual landlord's gas safety check, should they be carrying out a service? Is there an economy in this in the long term?
1: My personal opinion is that if it's a really old boiler, Um, it's probably best not to touch it to service it because it could create problems. I'm going to be very honest with that. No, no, that's Um, great.
0: Yeah. So what you're saying is that you you might actually break more than you fix when you take it apart and then you might not be able to get the supply parts. Is that right? Uh,
1: Absolutely. So um, one of the things I've always done with you guys is whenever I've installed a new boiler, when I go to do the gas safety, every year I will do a service on it. Um, That way it keeps the warranty intact. And yep. also, um, you know that from day one it's been serviced, and I make sure yep. that all the paperwork is completed with it for the warranty side of things as well.
0: Yeah. Well, that's really good advice. So, what you're saying is if your boiler is really old, be very careful about servicing it. If it's yeah. actually quite modern, then do service it. Would that be a fair? Absolutely. Analysis? Yeah. Thank you. Would that be a fair? Yeah. And the other thing that's quite common in the winter, we must talk about the condensate pipe because that's something people can fix for themselves, isn't it? Can you explain It that? is.
1: Yes. Basically, condensate pipe um a few years well several years ago the requirement wasn't to have a big fat pipe if it's going externally like a 32 mil normal waste pipe so a lot of condensate pipes are the 20 mil overflow pipes which are the skinny white ones which do freeze up commonly in the winter so
0: just to quantify that if you're thinking about this folks you're wondering what we're talking about here it's normally a white pipe and wherever your boiler is it will be probably on an external wall where the boiler is um, and it's yes. the white pipe that sticks out and probably heads into a drain or similar or otherwise Absolutely. you could find you've got a little bit of water around there yeah um
1: that commonly freezes up during the cold weather um the quick fix with that is
0: just boil a kettle and pour boiling water over it yeah exactly and a lot of people won't know that so you know one of the key things is when it's when it's really cold if you do get a tenant who says look my boiler stopped working and it's, it's freezing, then it's well worth just saying, look, just can you get a kettle if it's accessible and yes. just pour some hot water over that condensate pipe? And often that's the problem, isn't it?
1: It is. Uh, one of the things I've started doing with a lot of clients is when I've seen that issue, I've actually gone back and changed the pipe so that it, they don't have that problem going forward. So um, what you've um, done is so
0: you've, the, the pipe that you put in, Imran, is that insulated? Yeah. Is, is that the difference?
1: Or? I put a bigger pipe in. Um no, instead right, okay. of using that white pipe, you cut it off just literally where it comes out of the wall and then run a, a big fatter pipe. It's a 32mm pipe, you put that on there. That's calling to regs as well now. So right. um it's and it that stops freezing. It, it does.
0: Excellent. Absolutely does. Oh, that's a
1: good tip. Um but it's also worth lagging them. Um a lot of pipes are lagged, but over time squirrels and rodents and things and the weather itself erodes the roads are lagging and it vanishes and it exposes yeah. the pipe
0: yeah now Imran you're also a landlord um and we're your managing agent so tell us a bit about your experience as a landlord how did you get into it and and what are your thoughts going forwards
1: um right I fell into it purely by chance about 20 plus years ago um and um in the beginning I did everything by myself managing um finding tenants trying to reference everything but that's times of. Progressed over the 20 years, the regulations have come in and it's become more regulated. Um, and so I'm happy to give it over to you guys because it's just less hassle keeping up yeah. with what the latest trends are and what, like when the landlord licensing scheme came in Croydon, for example. Yeah. So it's just things like that. I just don't want the hassle personally. So I'm happy yeah. to um, pass it forward. Um, generally speaking, tenants are really good. It, like you said earlier on, um, being a good landlord pays dividends in the long term. Um Definitely. so yeah i find it much much easier just letting, letting it being managed and not telling Absolutely. the tenants that i'm a i'm the landlord when i go in as a contractor
0: yeah and, and tell me wh- when you go to tenanted properties what's your experience of the most common things that happen when you go in
1: oh funny um, story
0: actually talk to us
1: <laughs> oh um well often you go in um a lot of the tenants that I deal with through you guys, I've known for years now, so I have a relationship. But some of the new ones can be a little standoffish. You know, they, they start saying negative things, for example, that the landlord's like this, or he hasn't done this, or she hasn't done that, or the agents haven't done this. And it's like, well, have you reported it? And they go, no. And you're like, well, if you haven't reported it, how do you expect them to fix it? Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. You know, that, the that's kind that of no. funny.
0: You know, with us particularly, that we have these online reporting systems that are quite efficient. So we know time-stamped exactly when it was reported because you get the sheet, don't you, as soon as it's allocated to you. So you know about that. Brilliant. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So it's it's just things like that. A lot of it's just down to common sense. um, Yeah. And sometimes don't have that. And I don't mean to sound horrible.
0: Yeah. And and you also need... um, Trust as well. One of the great things about working with you is that we have that sense of trust. And many I know, you know, they use um, some of the larger contractors that will remain nameless and they end up with huge quotations for works that you go along and twiddle a knob and say it's done. And it's a small call out charge. We've seen that happen again and again. And uh, I always find that like, wow, you know, you think that these big established big name brands are going to do a better job. But in fact, we found on so many occasions that that's not the case. So I would also say to you listeners out there, think about your local gas man, you know, not necessarily your national one, because there'll be gas safe registered or they should be. And you can check that on the gas safe register um, and then they can help you out and you can build a relationship And you know. Being successful in lettings and management is about building relationship with other professionals. You can't do it alone. No man is an island, you know, and our advice is get a good managing agent, one that you can trust and rely on. Get a good professional gas man or if you've got a good managing agent, they'll probably have one on staff for you anyway, as we have with Imran. And make sure you're getting proper sage advice because that's what's going to stand you good in the long term. Um, So, Imran, thanks very much for coming on the show today. It's really good having you on a really good insight into some of the typical problems and uh, always a pleasure working with you. Um, Thanks for listening today, folks. The last thing we got for you today, as always, is the quote of the week. And the quote of the week this week is one from H. Jackson Brown, Jr. Live so that when your children think of fairness, caring and integrity, they think of you. Love that one. I repeat that. Live so that when your children think of fairness, caring, and integrity, they think of you. Love that. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week with a property developer and their take on the property market. And that's Jeremy. He's a great guy. Scream of a guy. Great experience as well. I hope you'll join us for that next week. Until next week, stay safe and well. Take care of yourselves. Imran, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you very much.